It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's only week 10, but they're calling it the game of the year. How the Vikings went from zero to hero and proved their worth in Buffalo yesterday. We're breaking it all down, and it's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with Kara Levin sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown, everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. An absolute ESPN classic to break down today. Only fitting, I've got my boy Sam Ekstrom filling in for Reggie as he flies back from Buffalo. Sam, one of those mornings you wake up and your first thought is, was that a dream? Like somebody pinched me. In one word or one sentence, describe your feelings after that game. Best regular season Vikings game I've ever seen. I mean, I, I don't know how else to, to put it. The drama, the twists and turns, the individual efforts, what was at stake, um, the opponent, like all of it plays into this mythic game that I think we're going to remember forever. I mean, we like on the on the football party this week, we revisited all these Buffalo games of the past, and you remember them for one reason or another. This one will stand above the rest, above all other games for so many different reasons. Can't wait to break it down with you. Yeah, only a 30-minute show. You better believe we're going to dedicate every single second to one of the wildest games you'll ever witness. So much to get into. But first, remember, follow along, Locked on Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Lockdown. M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson show, you got the football party and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. All right, to football we go. Sam, we've got about 28 minutes on the clock. And when you're breaking down a game like this with the clock ticking, it's so hard to know where to even start. Vikings down 17 as the third quarter's trickling down. But let's even just back up real quick how they got there, your thoughts and feelings that transpired. Because here's where my head was at. The last time they played an elite team was week two, Monday night in Philly. They got the doors blown out. Two months later here, you sit here now, you're hoping things have changed. If nothing else, we get a great litmus test to see where this team's at again against one of the league's best. They start out opening drive, TD, 7-0 real quick. And if I'm being totally honest, my pessimistic Viking brain said, this whole scene and vibe starting to remind me a little bit of that Philly NFC Championship game. Biggest game to date of the season up to that point. Cold temps, snowflakes in the air, outdoors, on the road, hostile environment against one of the NFL's best. You open up the game seven rip, only to watch the Bills march down in an instant 
and tie it. Then we go three and out. They score again. Kirk Cousins forces the issue. He throws an interception. And just like in Philly, all that starting momentum was just wiped out. And you're just quickly on the ropes. You just got punched in the gut. And the knockout punch is on its way before you can even blink. Again, a la kind of that Philly game. It felt like this was so close to getting so ugly and out of hand so many times, didn't it? Yeah, pick your Philly game. NFC Championship for one. <laughs> yeah, which one? Week two, another great example where Kirk Cousins doing harebrained things early in the game and you wonder, where is this guy at? Like, is this guy still on the plane with the chains? Um, is his head still stuck after the, the Washington game last week? Um, and then it all starts to turn, first with a little play, like a stop, you know, inside the Vikings 25-yard line. They hold the Bills to a field goal. Down 17, though, it still feels like things are going to go badly. The Dalvin Cook run changes everything because you have a one-play drive. No time comes off the clock. It's still the third quarter, and you're down by 10. That made it feel manageable. You know, then it's the Bills' decision to go for it on fourth and two inside the 10, a decision that I thought was actually pretty smart. They were trying to deliver the knockout blow, and why not? Josh Allen is playing out of his mind, and Patrick Peterson reads him beautifully. Um, how many times did Allen roll out yesterday? where oh. he made the play. He converted the mm -hmm. first down. But on that particular play, Patrick Peterson slips underneath, picks the pass off, and the Vikings are off and running. And from there, Luke, it, it's just one of those games where 20 things had to happen, and they all happened. And there were even some bumps along the way. There were some officiating issues. Um, the Bills came down, you know, sent it to overtime. But it was the little things to start it off that set this avalanche in motion. And once it got to 27-23, then you could feel it. Then you could feel it in your bones that, okay, if the Vikings get this ball back, look out. Because, because of the missed extra point, they were forced to go for the win, which actually made it more fun and precipitated everything thereafter. And, and Luke, let me just say this, and, and, then, and then I'll let you go. Even without the Justin Jefferson catch, and the craziness in the end zone on the fumbled snap and the overtime, this is still an epic game. It was an epic game before all of the epicness even started. And then there were like five more epic things that happened just to put the multiple cherries on that, that ice cream sundae. Unbelievable. Again, where do you start? Where do you even wrap up and try to finish? Text from my dad after the game just said, good teams win close games. And let's be real, you'd love for this team to win a few blowouts, make life easy on the collective, just blood pressure of this fan base. But there's something real about teams who understand what it means to win tightly contested games. KOC has brought in just this new characteristic to this team. It hasn't had in years. That's the ability to come from behind and battle back. Now, Zimmer's teams, they were resilient too, but almost in a different way. They rarely came back from multiple scores late. If they were down 10 or more going into the four, it was almost like it's a done deal. That's not how they were built. Not this team, though. The will and the fight to lean on one another has been about as perfect as you could ask for. You started mentioning a few of those just kind of glossed over plays that in a wild finish, it's just easy to forget about. Before we get into the wow stuff, the splash plays, the stats, let's shine a little bit of light on some of those plays that were lost in the shuffle and that were the catalyst really from this come from behind victory. So many plays at the end are going to steal the show this week, but there was some incredible performances that led to that magical ending. I just have to spend two, three minutes on this. It's probably going to go down as maybe the most glossed over and forgotten key play. Down 17, buck 50 left in the third. You mentioned it. Desperate 
for somebody to step up. Dalvin Cook takes that handoff, left hash, makes one man miss. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. I'll take mine to go. Thank you. Foot race down the sidelines, 81 yards to the house. Poof, just like that. It's Dalvin Cook who, when this team was pretty much laying lifeless there near the end of the third quarter on the operating table, no pulse left, grabs the paddles, gives them the clear, poof, clear, poof, <laughs> the back to life. <laughs> they needed it. All of a sudden, beep, beep, we've got a pulse, Doc. Okay, maybe this thing's not over quite yet. Thoughts on the importance of that run? You already kind of mentioned it. And what other key plays come to mind? I saw you tweeted out a couple bullet points, some huge fourth down conversions. What other key plays come to mind that were probably overshadowed, but vital for the Vikings to get into that game near the end? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one offensive sequence and then one defensive play. And the cook run is everything. Because mm -hmm. if you think about what it would have taken to drive down the field and score a touchdown on like a 13 play drive, which right. is what they did the next time. You couldn't have multiple 13 play drives. You needed mm -hmm. to have one quick strike and to Great get it point. on a run play where cook goes untouched 81 and Justin Jefferson lays a key block on that play. Um, that completely changed the complexion. Cause if they go 13 plays, they're probably talking about scoring with about nine minutes left and down 10. It's just going to be really hard to score then two more times after that. Um, so how about the subsequent touchdown drive, Luke? So you're down by 10. Peterson with the pick. You've got the ball. Fourth and a one, handoff to K.J. Osborne on the end around. Mm. He is stopped twice behind the line of scrimmage and then somehow backpedals across the first down line to extend that drive. Then four plays later, fourth and six, T.J. Hawkinson becomes the hero. He makes a contested catch on fourth and six to, to move the chains for 12 yards. And then later on that drive, Kirk Cousins using his legs once again. <laughs> he was looking for contact, Luke. He was looking around. He's licking his lips. He's saying, who can I barrel into? And he Was gets that Mike Allstott? Shades of Mike Allstott from Tampa. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> outstanding stuff. It put him in C.J. Ham territory. Mm -hmm. So I, I like thinking back to that drive, which obviously meant just as much as every other touchdown drive in the game. And then the defensive play that no one will talk about is the Duke Shelley. Oh. Duke Shelley pass breakup in the end zone. Buffalo mm -hmm. got the mismatch. Like the mm -hmm. seven-inch difference between Knox and Duke Shelley, who the Vikings elevated off the practice squad because of Cam Dantzler going on IR. They're down to their last corner, Luke, with Evans concussed. I don't think they trusted Andrew Booth. I assume that's why Booth wasn't in that position because they wanted because he had been getting burned mm -hmm. a little bit by Diggs. And for him to kind of get, you know, jostle with Knox, blanket him, get his head turned, and get his hand in the way, that's one play before the game ceiling interception. <sighs> um, so game ball to uh, Duke Shelley for coming up large in his first NFL appearance. So glad you brought that drive up because it was around that point that something kind of clicked for me about Kirk. When he first got here from Washington, I watched all the tape. I saw a quarterback who was not afraid to move and scramble outside that pocket, use his mobility. Then I think it was the beginning of 2019. He started the season with like four or five fumbles in his first three or four games. And I saw him really stop trusting himself, his instincts, when to make a play with his legs, under Zimmer, kind of on that tight leash. You can't turn the ball over on this team. But 
But on that drive with the big scramble, run down to the five, and what we saw versus Arizona on that magical TD run, you're all of a sudden now seeing a guy who he's not just using his legs when the opportunity presents itself, but you're seeing a quarterback who's really starting to feel the pressure of the pocket and slide around just enough to buy himself that extra half second when needed. And that's something that, you know, for me personally, I've been so hard on him for and critical of his game that when you watch the best pure pocket passers in the league, you got to be able to have that pocket presence and a little bit of mobility every now and then. So really glad you called that drive out in that play specifically. Let's get to the meat and potatoes now, the fun stuff, because another part of Kirk's game that is really elevated in my eyes is the trust you're seeing with Justin Jefferson. 10 catches, buck 93 and a touchdown. Stats are great. Most 100 receiving yard games by any player in NFL history through his first three seasons. And oh yeah, he's still got eight games left. Before we get to the catch of the year, in that game, we saw Cousins trust with JJ, especially on those final two drives, reach new heights. Here's what I tweeted out this morning. You're now seeing a Randy Moss type talent where his quarterback is now throwing him 50-50 balls, throwing passes before he's out of the break, blanketed, double covered, doesn't matter. The trust factor with Kirk is at an all-time high, and you're now witnessing how a generational talent can take over and change the outcome of any game when you've got a guy like Justin Jefferson. And I say that because Next Gen Stats said that nine of his 10 catches were less than a 50% chance, less than a 50-50 ball, not a 50-50, throw it up, hope he gets it, less than 50-50, nine of his 10 catches. Sam, we know Kirk, he's efficient, he's conservative at times to a fault throughout his entire career under Zim, he was kind of scolded, can't throw an interception on this team. And there's times you just watch and say, just throw a YOLO ball up to JJ, will ya? He finally listens and the results were, uh, there's no words, phenomenal, almost video game-esque. Talk about JJ's performance as a whole and just the trust you saw from Kirk Cousins to even throw some of those passes during the game. Yeah, old Kirk, Luke, would have been embarrassed by the first two interceptions, especially the second one, which is as bad a brain lapse as you can have at the quarterback position. He could have gone to the bench and said, I'm not going to take any more risks in this game. And you know what? His old head coach, Mike Zimmer, would have said, Kirk, you're not taking any more risks this game. We're down by 17. Well, we're just going to run it the rest of the game. And that would have been oh, that would have been a loss. The Vikings would have mm -hmm. lost that game. But Kirk was able to shake that off. And that's critical in his evolution, Luke. Feeling the pressure, doing it better this year, and bouncing back from adversity and struggles, that's probably the biggest piece of his development. And that's amazing to see at his, honestly, advanced age as a quarterback, nearing his mid-30s, you don't see that too often. And of course, it all led to that catch. Vikes driving. Kirk gets sacked on back-to-back -back plays. It's now 4th and 18. Kirk just throws up a prayer. JJ answers a call with, I'm not even sure you can say Randy Moss catch because I don't know for sure that he ever pulled down a catch like that. It's a catch that it's going to be put on posters for decades to come. You'll see it hanging in your kids' bedrooms for generations. That's the greatest catch since when, Sam? OBJ? Because given the circumstances, the down and distance, and the game on the line, I think I can sit here with a straight face and say it's the greatest catch since David Tyree in the Super Bowl. What do you think? Hands down, it's better than OBJ. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like His LSU brethren um, made a great catch, what, eight years ago? It wasn't really contested, um, at least at the catch point. Like I know there was a guy mm -hmm. there, but... 
OBJ didn't have the pressure of a fourth and 18. It was early in the game. It was early in the season. This had so much more riding on it. There was so much more contact at the point of the catch um, that you can't possibly say that OBJ's was better than this. Now, the Tyree catch, yes, that was very hard contested, and there was everything at stake because it was, it was in the Super Bowl, and it was improbable the way he hung on to it all the way to the ground. So I think that you give the edge to the Tyree catch just because of the significance of that game. And this might be number two, Luke. I mean, you've got, as in terms of contested catches, it's the, it's the greatest regular season catch maybe of all time. The, the amount that he elevated, how he reached back, and how he cradled it. I'm trying to, to demonstrate on camera here. I'm not doing a very good job. The way he <laughs> cradled it with his arm to prevent it from hitting the ground. And you know what a really fun way to watch that playback is? I put this out on Twitter. Just, like, watch it on a loop and pick a different Vikings player on the sideline or coach and watch their reaction. You can watch KOC, you can watch Kendricks, you can watch Peterson, you can watch James Lynch. Everyone's freaking out. Everybody has this very childlike. No. Fun. And the fact that it led to a victory, Luke, like it's not going to get lost in, you know, a defeat. It didn't happen in a nothing game. It happened in a mythic come from behind win, which only elevates it in significance historically. Yeah, you thought JJ's contract extension was going to be big before the season started. It's about <laughs> to shatter every record for highest paid receiver, and hopefully it gets done this offseason. Seriously, how big is that contract, do you think? I'm thinking like a five-year buck 60. That's my guess. That that feels about right to me. What do you think? So that'd be 32 per year, and I think the is the, the, most, the highest annual value right now is 30. Tyreek Hill, yeah. I want to say. So, yep, Tyreek, yeah, Devontae. I mean, he's he's are, are definitely yeah. going to set the market. I think A.J. Brown got 25 per year. And Justin mm -hmm. Jefferson, from a productivity standpoint, isn't even in the same ballpark as A.J. Brown. He's so far beyond that that mm -hmm. I, think, I think he sets the market and he probably sets it by a wide margin. I think you're probably spot on, honestly, there, Luke. Five years, 160, 32 million per year, and fully guaranteed. That's pro you probably hit the nail on the head within five to ten million. Ziggy, just get a hand over the checkbook, blank check, say, do your thing, bro. I trust you. Vikes get down to the goal line. Apparently on first and goal, by the way, the Bills had 12 players on the field. I didn't notice yeah. that. When I went back and watched the tape, I can confirm they did indeed. Totally blown call there. They lose three yards. They end up trying a quarterback sneak at the literal inch line. Kirko chains, love ya. Not the ideal quarterback sneak body frame, if you will. That's after the Dalvin Cook wide open bobbled pass that would have likely scored a go-ahead touchdown. And what happens next is absolute pandemonium, sheer chaos. A play you probably see once in, I don't know, maybe a thousand. Bills fumble the snap. Eric Kendrick said after the game, they knew the Bills had to try and sneak it given where the ball was at. And he had the awareness to bully his way through the A-gap and find the ball. Sam, your thoughts as that play unfolded and more skill by the Vikings or just plain luck? Like when you look back, did the Vikings win that game there or did the Bills kind of lose it and shoot themselves in the foot? Yeah, I, I don't think that particular play is like a real feather in the Vikings cap for forcing the fumble. But mm -hmm. Eric Kendricks shooting that like Eric Kendricks was dialed in on that play and he mm -hmm. was ready to pounce on either the ball carrier or the football itself. And, you know, KOC said after the game, we wanted to make them do it twice. We had one timeout. We wanted to make them at least, 
you know, struggle twice to get out of the end zone. So the Vikings were were locked in. A lot of teams might just say it's over and and kind of take that playoff or dial it back. And the Vikings didn't. They knew that if they got a safety, they'd get the ball back and a chance to win with the field goal. Well, then that happens. Eric Hendricks was ready for it. Um, I looked this up, Luke. In in all of the play-by-play data that's available going back to 1994, a fumble inside the 10 with that much time remaining has never, ever happened that resulted in wow. a touchdown. It's the first time that's happened in, in the play-by-play data era. And I even saw on Scott Van Pelt last night, I think they their data might go back even further. He said it's the first like lead changing fumble recovery touchdown since the miracle at the Meadowlands with Herm Edwards oh in gosh. 1978, uh, it, which is 44 years. So that's how rare we're talking about with that play. And I would venture to say that that type of play happening is arguably more rare than the Minneapolis miracle, or because we we do have occasionally a Hail Mary completed. We do have a lateral play where people run around and and pitch the ball back and forth. We don't see that where a team basically hands you the game or hands you the lead on a platter. That was astonishingly rare, and we may never see it again. Yeah, you'll take them any way you can get them, obviously. Vikes score up three. Bills pull a Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, scream down the field in 40 seconds to set up a chip shot. Sam, were you surprised with five seconds left and how close they were? They didn't take one shot there and just try to end it? Because the difference between just one second, if they had six seconds for sure, they try one shot in the end zone. Who knows? Maybe the game's over. But with five seconds, were you surprised they didn't try to take one shot? No, I, I thought five seconds was a little bit too low on the clock for them to to trust they were going to get that play done in time. Um, and honestly, if it's one second more, maybe it's different. Like if it's six, mm-hmm. they might have tried it. If it's seven, they definitely try it. I think five was probably correct. And and that's a good thing for, for Vikings fans because the, the call on Andrew Booth seemed a little mm. ticky-tack for that point in the game with the amount they were they were letting him play. So that, I think, would have enraged Vikings fans even more who already felt like the officials had jobbed them in the game. Um, so it's a good thing that didn't really have an impact. And I think the, the Vikings are fortunate that the Bills didn't have a couple more looks at the end zone because they were marching with ease at that point. Yeah, difference between six seconds on the clock and five seconds. Again, could have been the difference between that dramatic win and a heartbreaking loss. Is that just not insane? One second just goes to show you how important just clock management is just in general in the NFL. KOC obviously doing a lot better job than Mike Zimmer did his last two years. Bills tie it. Vikes march down, kick a field goal. Bills get it back again. They march right down again like they did all game long. But Patrick Peterson, the crafty vet, sniffs out the double post playing quarters coverage, ran the route for Gabe Davis, basically. Josh Allen, a rare poorly placed ball there that we've seen him rifle that in in that tight window in the middle of the field a million times now. He gets sniped by Peterson. He had two red zone interceptions. Vikes win the game of the year. Sam, that's the best game you've seen since what? Because for me, that Bills Chiefs playoff game for my money, that's the best game I've seen in a long time. But this should certainly go down as the game of the 2022 season, no doubt. Yeah, and it will. And every every game is weighted differently based on what's at stake. Right. So if it's playoffs, mm-hmm. yeah, of course it's going to get a bump. And I'm sure Buffalo fans are saying, why? 
Why, God, are we always on the wrong side of these epic games, whether it's Super Bowl losses, AFC divisional round losses, um, and then what happened yesterday? So Buffalo went from the one seed to the six seed with that loss yesterday. Like That's what was at stake for them. That was huge. That was huge. The Vikings could have lost that game and still had a a three-and-a-half game lead in the division. Like They would still be fine, and now they're playing with just this mountain of house money and this huge pile Mm -hmm. and stack of chips, um, and they're trying to go all in and win the Super Bowl. But it's the best, you know, I've watched Vikings games for for 25 years. It's the best regular season Vikings game that I've ever seen. Yeah, unbelievable. Just not a lot of words. Vikings fans waking up today in a state of shock and awe. They'll enjoy this one for a long time, no matter what happens from here on out, because to be a part of something so special, like what took place yesterday, you know you witness history in the making, and to be on the right side of it, obviously, feels awfully special. Kirk Cousins now has led his team back from late game deficits in the fourth quarter five times this year and it's only week 10. Can we just get a blowout, please? Like, I don't even care if we're the ones who get blown out at this point. I'm running out of blood pressure meds. Cousins, in his career, led the Vikings back in 2018 versus the Broncos, down 20-0 at halftime. Teams in that situation up to that point were 0-99. Versus Chicago this year, he led them back from down 10 twice. First time that's happened since 1979. And now yesterday, we witnessed the Bills' first loss in 52 straight games when they've led by 14 or more at halftime playing at home. If the Packers lose to the Titans Thursday night and the Vikings beat Dallas Sunday, they'll have a 99% chance of winning the division. Coming up next, we're talking about the unsung heroes from yesterday's game. But first, Vikes now 12-1 to win the Super Bowl after that 8-1 start. Vikings open the week as two-point underdog at home versus the Dallas Cowboys over under opens at 47 make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with bet online betonline.net fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games stats news info you want it they got it NFL NBA MMA even UFC bet online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs go to bet BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net, where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. And you can now find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. Enjoy all our content and daily shows for free at your fingertips any day anytime all right wrapping up here going solo sam blew the circuit breaker with his hot takes time has come for my new favorite segment called give me one give me one i tweeted out yesterday so many names to put in the unsung hero category in a game like this duke shelley's past deflection on dawson knox in the end zone kj osborne 
fourth and one extra effort to move the chains and keep the game going. There's a lot of them, but give me one unsung hero from that game. Blake Brandle needs to be put near the top, replacing the number one offensive tackle in the NFL on the road in that situation and hold your own against Von Miller and company was essential to Kirk moving the ball downfield. This is exactly why I nerd out on day three of the draft and in training camp. Who's winning the second and third team battles? Because it's a given at some point during the season, every team is going to need to call on a backup to step into the spotlight and fill in during a big time moment. These are the guys. That's the glue between the cracks of your roster. Blake Brandle, sixth round pick from Oregon State, two-time captain, grinds his way through the practice squad, works his way up to the second team. And yesterday, all that work paid off for the guy. He held his own in one of the most difficult positions and situations you could possibly drop on paper. That is my unsung hero from yesterday's 33-30 victory in Buffalo. Vikings moved to 8-1. and one. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too. Free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. And look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. Sam Ekstrom filling in for Reggie Wilson. At Sam Ekstrom, find him every day, co-hosting the Ron Johnson Show. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to the producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 